the individual, it was, bear with me. Rawr. That was my bear impression. You want me to bear with you? Oh my god. The Washington, I'm just gonna (laughs) move on. The Washington Free Beacon, like everyone who just started listening is gonna click off. Like they were like, goodbye. Absolutely not. I think they can bear with it. But ouch. It's good. Thank you. sequitur pod breaking it down so you don't have to i'm kelsey and i'm jake and this is a podcast about logical fallacies and the people who make them we have a fun faux pop today just diving right in joe biden came out and basically said that there were going to be grants like grant money for safe smoking kits or safe smoke kits i think are what they're called and they're basically Kits that include things like alcohol swabs, lip balm, um, other materials to promote hygiene, reduce the transmission of diseases such as HIV and hepatitis for folks who have an addiction and are using drugs. Um, And some, I don't know where it even came from, but people just started saying that Biden is going to be giving out crack pipes. Kelsey, that's insane. Yeah, he's giving out crack pipes and this is why America's going to shit because he's giving out crack pipes. It fits into a uh, it fits into a narrative really nice doesn't it? It does. So for the record Joe Biden is not giving out crack pipes in these kits. The Washington Free Beacon. Are you familiar with that? I Um, am not. What is that? I've never heard of it either. It's like a a journalistic, it's like a newspaper or some sort of source of news. Is it like a good one? No. Their article stated that a spokesperson for HHS said that safe smoking kits, quote, will provide pipes for users to smoke crack cocaine, crystal methamphetamine, and any illicit substance. And so HHS, which I don't even know what HHS stands for, I probably should. Uh, Health and Human Services. Health and Human Services um, said that that was not true. So that's where it came from. But Biden, that's our faux pop. Biden is not giving out crack pipes. I don't think there's a fallacy. It's just dumb. Yeah, he did a complete 180 on the war on drugs and started like <laughs> It just was like I need to undo all the damage I did with the war on drugs mm. and just start yeah. <laughs> giving them. <laughs> what people want me to do is commute prison sentences for people who smoke weed. What I'm going to do instead is give out crack pipes. Exactly. So they're not in there. And they never were. So the HHS spokesperson also clarified it's not a change in policy that it was 
literally never a part of it. Um, the same grants that are going to be used for the safe smoke kits are also going to be used to provide vending machines, HIV testing kits, overdose reversal medication, sharps and medication disposal kits, fentanyl test strips, syringes to prevent and control the spread of infectious diseases, and vaccination services. So the grants are overall a good thing. And it is a good thing to help folks who do not have access to like overdose reversal medication and stuff to ensure that they have access to these things. So while they're struggling with their addiction, they don't die. So, or or they don't contract or spread a harmful disease. Yeah, I I, I mean, that all sounds like a good idea to me. I I don't know why people- What's the downside? I don't know why people have to make it seem like such a bad thing, have to accuse him of giving out crack pipes when he's just trying to help people. Well, like, some people, like, don't provide their kids, if they find their kid, like, has condoms, they're, like, teenager, they'll, like, throw them away and be like, that's gonna stop you from having sex, or they won't want you to get your, is it meningitis that you can get vaccinated for? Uh, yeah, I believe there's a meningitis vaccine. Yeah, or one that- is that the one that they encourage you to get before you go to college? Um, or is that HPV? Oh, I, I know there's a tetanus. There might be no. like there might be like a hepatitis. That's it. I think it's the yeah, like hepatitis papillomavirus or something. You're thinking of if human papillomavirus. Uh, thank you. Maybe that's what it is. There's one when you go to college that they encourage you to get because you think can there's get like a Hep from, B and Hep C at least that they want you to yeah, take. Yeah, where you can get, but it's an optional one. It's not a mandatory vaccine. Some of them are like okay. man- mandatory, but there's optional ones that you can get from like showering in community showers or you can get from having sex or making out um and some parents like discourage their kids from getting that because they think it enables them to just go do whatever they want but so i feel like do it this anyways, is so i feel like this is the same line of thinking like the people who are addicted to crack and um, meth, meth and heroin. heroin and all of these things they don't have the ability to just stop right so it's not like they're gonna say oh no i might get hiv from using this needle they don't have the capacity to stop even if they do think of that and i don't know how much mm-hmm. those sorts of drugs impede your thinking from my understanding it's very intense uh-huh. so they may not even have the capacity to have that thought So anyway, I feel like this is the same line of thinking. It's not a good thing. Joe Biden is not giving out crack pipes. That's it. That's the faux pop. Yeah. Sex. It it seems like the uh, policy with the war on drugs so far has been, uh, you know what, just leave them to their druggy ways. They'll kill themselves out eventually. And uh, I I think these safe smoke kits are a step in the right direction. So it's (laughs) we don't want people doing these hard drugs and getting addicted. But if it happens anyways, at least we don't want them dying over it. Yeah, and to be able to have access, more access to not get a disease. Because it's not like smoking crack or doing heroin gives you HIV. Like, it's sharing needles. It's these other things that we can help to prevent. And then 
those people have more of a chance to get access and help to stop being addicted to these things. Nobody is like, we really love that people are addicted to these drugs. Like we would like to continue that. So Mm. anyway, it's sad that you have to be like, Joe Biden isn't giving out crack pipes, but like, here we are. So Joe Biden isn't giving out crack pipes. Well, I'll say let's hope no one loves that people are doing these hard drugs. Hopefully the CIA has gotten over that phase. I'd love to know what you're talking about. About to blow my mind. Oh. Y- Tell y- us. Y- Tell you know the, the, uh, the CIA distributing crack cocaine uh, th- th- through uh, black inner city communities tr- trying to destabilize them? No. Can't say I, okay. uh, well, I know about that. So this is from the Office of the Inspector General. Uh, titled The CIA Contra Crack Cocaine Controversy, a review of the Justice Department's investigations and prosecutions. On August 18, 1996, the San Jose Mercury News published the first installment of a three-part series of articles concerning crack cocaine, the Central Intelligence Agency, and the Nicaraguan Contra Army. The introduction to the first installment of the series read, For the better part of a decade, a San Francisco Bay Area drug ring sold tons of cocaine to the Crips and Bloods street gangs of Los Angeles and funneled millions in drug profits to a Latin American guerrilla army run by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, a Mercury News investigation found. This drug network opened the first pipeline between Colombia's cocaine cartels and the black neighborhoods of Los Angeles, a city now known as the crack capital of the world. The cocaine that flooded in helped spark a crack explosion in urban America and provided the cash and connections needed for L.A.'s gangs to buy automatic weapons. I hate it here. Like, literally, what? Yeah. Why? So, Why? Uh, the, the, the way I had heard it was that uh, d- delivering crack cocaine into these cities was... Uh, part of the CIA's plan rather than like a, a byproduct of it. Uh, the sources I'm looking at now are a little less clear on that. Okay. So, uh, y- y- you know, maybe it wasn't on purpose. It's just I've always heard it was. Yeah, that's faux pop. Biden's not giving out crack pipes, and the CIA might have been giving out actual crack. But hopefully, they're not anymore. talk about even more maybe this is a good segue just on the level of train wreck we're going to talk about tommy loren the crack cocaine of social media you need to go on twitter if you haven't and people just started calling her the wrong thing and it's the best best part of tommy loren tomato lasagna tortellini listerine 
Tammy. They just call her the wrong name all the time. Kind of like Benedict Cumberbatch being called Benadryl Cabbage Patch. It's kind of mm. like that. Yeah, they just call her the wrong thing all the time. Someone called her Topanga, like from Boy Meets World. It's good. You should just look up all the names that Tommy Loren has been called that's not Tommy. Under every one of her tweets, people just respond with the incorrect name. Total Listerine? Does that sound like anything? That sounds good. So as usual, Jake's going to take over and let us know about the early life of Tommy Loren. So, Tommy Ray Augustus Loren, or Tomato Rigatoni Apple Lozenge, was oh born... Oh god. <laughs> that gives the same vibes as the bone apple tea. <laughs> Well, uh, I have now served you that name, Bone Apple Teeth. <sighs> Keep going. <laughs> so, uh, Tommy Loran was born August 11th, 1992 in Rapid City, South Dakota. She would be born in South Dakota. I would just like to interject and say that she would be from South Dakota. There's like three people in South Dakota. No offense to South Dakota. I'm yeah. sure it's great there. It's so unfortunate because I literally just met a couple siblings from Rapid City, South Dakota. And they're lovely people. I can't believe Tommy Lorenz out there giving them a bad name. No, she's in Nashville now, but we'll get there. Oh, yeah, she is. Tennessee, you to one. So, uh, Tommy Loran was raised in a middle-class ranching family and spent weekends on her grandparents' ranch until it was sold in 1999. Her parents, while not politically active, kept up with politics and the news, which sparked Loran's interest in the field. Uh, apparently she always liked to talk, so talking about politics just became her life goal. After graduating from high school in 2010, she briefly interned for then-South Dakota Congresswoman Christy Noam and realized that she'd rather be a political commentator rather than a politician herself. She says, I never wanted to be neutral. I never wanted to report on the news. I wanted to comment on the news. I wanted to make the news. Literally what? Yeah, I never wanted what to be neutral. I never wanted to report on the news. It's insane. What? Uh, she wa she wanted to be like someone who gave her opinion is what she's saying. But why yeah. would you say you wanted to make the news? Like, is there a word that's supposed to be like, I wanted to make the news interesting or I wanted to make the news like make it up? Uh, the quote I said was just I wanted to make the news. I assumed that to be, like, be famous, but uh, g given her- Oh, oh, like, be in the news. Okay. That's the way I took it, but given yeah. her career path so far, it seems likely that she meant she wanted to make up the news. <laughs> we should have just known, right? It's just like, I want to make the news. If I make the news, I mean make up the news. Like, mm -hmm. just totally make it up. I want to fabricate oh, the news. <laughs> What a what a quote. Yeah, um I don't remember where that came from, but I think it was from a BBC article. So, uh fall of 2010, she graduates high school, she moves to Las Vegas, and 4 years later graduates from the University of Nevada with a bachelor's in broadcast journalism and political science. Her first job out of college was her own show on the OAN called On Point with Tommy Loren. How did she get that right out of college? 
Her sh- her own show? Yeah, her own show. Uh, OAN was a pretty new network at the time. Yeah, she, she just went in and they liked her. Okay. Yeah, um, apparently she was always a, uh, a, a very smart and studious girl. So uh, maybe she presented herself well that way. But of course, also being uh, in the media, being pretty and blonde is an easy way yeah, to get your own show. I was going to say, she is a hot blonde white woman. So that's kind of, yeah, that's the thing. Okay. I mean, she's sharp. Like, I mean, she's fiery. She's sharp. I can understand why people would find her charismatic and mm-hmm. want to put her out there because people will watch her for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So, okay, I was just surprised to hear straight out of college that she got that kind of job because, I mean, that's like kind of a huge deal just yeah. to get your show straight out of college. Yeah, yeah, you, you're you're right on it there. It was uh, here on On Point with Tommy Loran where she first premiered her segment, Final Thoughts, which would continue on to uh, through her whole career now. It's what she's been made famous for. She would pick a topic and deliver a rapid-fire, three-minute-long tirade. Uh, So that would be long enough to incite her listeners and short enough to not get bogged down by details or nuance. Uh, This is where she received her first instance of national notoriety. So, in July 2015, her Final Thoughts segment covered a recent shooting incident by a lone gunman terrorist at two military installations in Chattanooga, Tennessee. During her segment, she called for increased scrutiny of Muslim Americans and Muslim immigrants and expressed support for maintaining Guantanamo Bay, all with a sarcasm that seemed to say, I can't believe you're treating them like people. So that that was just really popular among certain groups on Facebook. So that was her thing was it was a lone gunman terrorist. So it was somebody who was a Muslim, I'm assuming, that committed the- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he was a Muslim, and uh, and that's what she honed in on was that she was a Muslim, and we needed to further scrutinize Muslim Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, it, when are we going to scrutinize? I was about to commit a red herring. I was going to say, when are we going to scrutinize white boys in high school that are just shooting up their schools? When are when are we going to do that? Also, that's a red herring, everyone. If someone presents a point and says. We should scrutinize these people. If you don't say, here's why we don't have to scrutinize them, and you say, well, when are we going to scrutinize this group of people? You've committed a red herring in which you just pivot the conversation to a different topic um, to take it away from the topic at hand. So I committed a fallacy on our podcast about logical fallacies. Congratulations, Kelsey. Yeah, that was just you giving us all a great example of it, and I didn't see anything else other than that. I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, she hosted this show on OAN for a year before leaving to host an identical show on the Glenn Beck-founded network, The Blaze. You want to talk about Glenn Beck, any? Don't even get... (laughs) I used to listen to Glenn Beck a lot. Genuinely. I used to listen to Glenn Beck a lot. Every day, actually. Then I got better. Glad to hear it. 
and Look, I don't do that. We're all better anymore. for it. <laughs> and I don't do that anymore. Um, recently, I was talking about like radicalism and stuff with my husband, and I showed him like an episode of Glenn Beck's podcast, and my husband was like very taken aback with with just all of it. He was just very taken aback with like the intensity, the emotion, the anger, the just like flagrant sentences that like don't mean anything, throwing around like facts with no basis or source or and anything like that. Um so yeah, just wild. But I used to listen to Glenn Beck a lot. I uh, don't do that anymore, and I wouldn't. I mean, everybody can listen to what they want, but it's not particularly enriching content. Yeah, I, it's just I think, yelling. I think that's a great way to put it. You listen to Glenn Beck, but then you got better. Yeah, exactly. And I am, but be- I am better for it. I am. And the thing is, Glenn Beck really does think he's doing like the right thing. I don't. I don't think Glenn Beck is one of those people that's kind of like gotten into the radicalization to be famous like I I think Glenn Beck really thinks he's doing the right thing he not that this erases anything he says or anything like that but he gives like a lot to charity and like he's very much like he says he's about like being kind and everything like that like interpersonally and like he he thinks he's like doing the right thing so I will say that about Glenn Beck yeah, the when uh, when Tommy Loren left the Blaze and, and uh, she and Glenn Beck had that had that big split, mm-hmm. uh, he, he seemed to be like I he genuinely believed these things and, and just yeah. and, and because mm-hmm. they had that difference of belief yeah. that that they just could not continue. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's not um, Rush Limbaugh, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I was just supporting you, supporting what oh, you yeah. were saying. Oh, yeah, and I, I was saying, like, you said a yes and, and I was trying to give, like, another yes and. Yeah, and um, Rush Limbaugh, same thing. Used to listen to Rush Limbaugh um, all the time. Again, someone who really just genuinely didn't believe in systemic issues and felt that the only reason systemic issues are brought up or we're trying to educate people on them is to bring down the fall of America, like genuinely believed it, um, gave a ton to charity, really felt interpersonally that you should be kind to everybody. Um, yeah, just anyway. So yeah, n- not anybody who's like, uh, like a Sean Hannity or a Tucker Carlson. Exactly. Or, or even like a Donald Trump that doesn't really believe the things that they're saying. They're, they're saying it just to, you know, but like just to try to be famous or try to perpetuate like i to, really to get think attention that rush limbaugh to make money. And Beck, yeah exactly and i really think that rush limbaugh was not that way um he's passed away um and then glenn beck i, I don't think is that way so that's to, one thing i i will say um about them but anyway continue so tommy loran first came to my attention when she appeared on the daily show with trevor noah in late november 2016 shortly after donald trump's election uh i thought he made i I think he made some very thoughtful points and i appreciate how he stayed patient and composed like he was trying to teach someone who refused to listen 
everyone should go watch that video. I think it's really good. That said, I can understand her feelings during that somewhat too. She is uh, filming on someone else's show in front of a national audience. And that, that's the kind of place where you want to express your point of view, not to admit that you're wrong, uh, especially if it's because you're losing a debate. So does she do very poorly? Yeah. yeah. Oh, she, she got she, owned. Yeah, she, she uh, tries to bring up all these points, but uh, he, he, he's got a way to respond to all of them, and yeah. she, she just can't keep up. Yeah, she, and she doesn't have a rebuttal to the critique. It, it seems like she her stuff's not really thought out like she just came on yeah. with a bunch of talking points and wasn't expecting like a lot of pushback like she's used to doing a segment on called final thoughts where she just goes on a tirade for three minutes and then it's over right like she's used to that being how she <laughs> expresses her opinions i've never seen that i don't think um uh, is that where she calls black lives matter the kkk the um, new kkk uh, I think that actually started at a separate time, but that oh, okay. is brought up during the interview. Okay, okay. I've seen a famous clip where she says that, yeah, and she I says think that it is Trevor like Noah. Double take. That's like, what? So, okay. Um, okay, and I, I guess one other thing I had is uh, the origin of Tommy Loren's nickname, The White Power Barbie. I'm very interested in hearing this because I don't, I don't know where that comes from. So uh, it looks like in June of 2016, uh, Anna Kasparian tweeted at Loren after Loren had called her stupid. Uh, Kasparian wrote, "Make no mistake, white power Barbie, I'd be just as vicious toward you in person." And apparently, they ended up talking. Uh, like having a face-to-face conversation at one point, and uh, Loran said, it's important to understand what motivates that type of rhetoric. Kasparian interpreted one of Loran's quotes as, uh, we should shoot migrants as they're coming to the border to, to seek asylum. So Loran responded, I never said we need guns so that we can defend ourselves against migrants coming across the border. I said we need guns because if you're refusing to protect and defend this nation with our borders, we as the American people have to have a means to protect ourselves because the government is not going to do it for us. So literally the sa- literally saying that you should be, not that you need guns for that particular purpose alone, but that is one of the purposes that you need guns. It is insane. It, it, it's like she's saying... You said we need to shoot migrants as they're coming across the border. And she says, no, 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 I never said that. I just said we need to shoot migrants as they're coming to our border. Because the government won't. So it's really not my fault. The government is the one who should be shooting them. But since they won't do it, I have to do it. God, I have to do everything, don't I? That's what. That's how it co- like that comes across. Yeah, it, it was like she said, "No, no, that's not what I said," and then said the exact same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. What? <sighs> What's she getting at? I never said we need guns so that we can defend ourselves against migrants coming across the border. I said dot dot dot. We as the American people have to have a means to protect ourselves because the government is not going to do it for us in reference to migrants coming across the border. Yeah, but basically the difference is 
I'm not saying we should shoot them when they're over there. I'm saying we should shoot them when they get over here. <laughs> and I don't and I don't oh, see the, any actual difference there. Tommy. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy. It, it seems like she's really internalized the rhetoric that Mexico is sending us rapists and yada, yada, yada. There's a tweet I cover that um, deals with that rhetoric. So we'll revisit that. Oh, excellent. Yep. We're, we're going to have so many uh, callbacks to earlier in the episode during this. Yep. Incredible. We're doing so good. Look at us go. Oh, it looks like I did have a couple more notes. So uh, this Tommy Loren is the same person who was speaking at a Turning Point USA conference after the Orlando nightclub shooting. Uh, the shooter then was named Omar Mateen. So she turns to her social media guy, Mateen Aini, and says, Not a good day to be named Mateen. And it's like, wow, that is not a cool thing to say, especially to one of your people in front of a giant group of other people. And this is the same Tommy Loren who said, Well, the BET Awards were last night. Notably, they were very black. Oh, but can I say that? What with my whiteness and all? Well, too damn bad. What does that mean? But, like, what is she getting at? That you're not allowed to say that black people are black if you're white? Because she's, like, spitting it. She's like, they were all very black. Like, mm -hmm. that's different than being like, that person is a black person. I don't understand what she's getting. There's a lot of gotchas. She's a big gotcha girl. Like, she wants to be like, ooh, that was a hot and spicy line. Gotcha. But, like, it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at that for more than one second, you're like, can I say that with all my whiteness at all and all? Well, too damn bad. What does that mean? What it that doesn't mean, you know what I mean? Like, like, what does that mean? Like, what is she trying to say? I I don't know. That the BET Awards were last night. Everybody there was black. Am I allowed to say that because I'm white? Like, no. Like, you can say that everyone at the BET Awards was black. I, I'm confused. I'm confused as what she thinks she's proving with that sentence. I really don't know. Or what, what I'm missing. I, I really don't know what she's trying to say. Uh, other than it seems like she's trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah, and, and it's for nothing. Like, yeah, nobody said, who's telling you that you're not allowed to say that black people are black because you're white? Like, say it like, be, like the BET Awards were last night and most of the folks there were black. They were. I should hope so. It's the BET Awards. Yeah, like, j hello? Like, I <laughs> I'm going to move on. That one's going to keep me up at night trying to figure out like or is she trying to tell us something or is it just words i saw a comment on twitter and someone said i'm convinced that your brain is just a like a bunch of yahtzee dice in a cup and you just like shake it up and like see whatever like comes out 
And I was like, that's good. That makes a lot of sense. Because with, with, with the final thoughts that I watched, it's like it, it, it's like she read the headline of an article and then just spoke about it for three minutes. But it doesn't seem like she did any research on what happened no. or why. It, it was just whatever came to her mind first thing seeing it. Yeah, and then she wondered why she did poorly in a debate, or not even in a debate, but in a conversation where there was someone to respond and right. be like, this this isn't the Tommy Loren show. Like, you have to, whatever. Okay. Guess I'm going to take over from here. Get it, bitch. Give relevance to today. She advocates for abortion at least she did in 2017 and i believe she still does now uh it went over really bad she was working for the blaze in 2017 she's 26 she was suspended from the blaze because she shared her opinion on abortion rights during an uh, appearance on the view and she did file a wrongful termination suit against the Blaze, which has been settled, I believe, outside of court. But she basically just said the way to prevent abortions is not a widespread government ban. Because when you ban, it was over the Alabama abortion law that went through in 2017 and basically said, you're just going to push women to still get abortions and they're just going to be less safe and you're going to lose more lives because the women who need abortions are going to continue to get them. They're just not going to be able to get them safely. So the life of the mother is going to be at risk as well. Um, so she knew she was going to get backlash from that. She got fired from the blaze because they couldn't have someone affiliated with them that... Um, thought that so well, what i saw is that she was not expecting backlash from that but because uh oh, really th yeah she had said a few times before like i'm pro-choice that kind of thing it, it, it was just uh i i think she got a lot more attention this time because oh. she, she, she's on the view saying uh yeah uh, I, i'm all for limited government and that includes limiting the government's uh uh power yeah. over my body even uh -huh. if even if I'm personally anti-abortion, I also d d don't think the government should be involved in that. Yeah, well, she well, there was a tweet she tweeted before the view that episode went out that she might receive backlash, but that she was never going to apologize for being like a hmm. free thinker, and that um. Do Do you think it was about the abortion thing? I think so. That's what I read in the article. Okay. I was just thinking if all the tweet said was, uh, I'm expecting some backlash tonight, it should just be because the, the the view is what you would consider a more liberal show. So she just expected everyone to hate it since she would be saying a bunch of incendiary things. Oh, no, she had tweeted like about the abortion thing. Like oh, okay. she made a follow up tweet. I don't know if it was after things blew over in the same time frame that she did wants uh, the government's hands off of her guns and off of her body. Right. So, I mean, she was she basically said she wasn't going to apologize. She had made it on a couple of instances. Mm -hmm. She's made the comment like people may try to take my conservative card away for this, but this is like what I think. She got kicked off the blaze. It wasn't great. 
She tweeted something mean. I'm just going over kind of some controversy. She's a Fox News contributor. She continues to be. Um, she's engaged. She had an engagement break off and then she got engaged again. Now it's super relevant. Yeah, apparently he's like a former baseball player and now baseball anchor. Yeah, yep. I guess, again, not really relevant, but I remember seeing that. Yeah. Um, she did make a comment to Kamala whenever Kamala was still a VP nominee. Said she tweeted, Kamala, did you fight for ideals or did you sleep your way to the top with Willie Brown? I was so close to covering that one as one of my takes. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of these are just bad takes and, like, controversies, but she said that, and then she apologized, because that's not cool. They were in a relationship in the 90s, Kamala Harris and Willie Brown, and he was the Speaker of the California Assembly at that time. He was the California, or I'm sorry, Kamala Harris was the California Attorney General from 2011 and was elected to the U.S. Senate in 2016. So, literally, like, his relationship with Kamala was in the 90s, so it would really be stupid to think that she slept her way to the top if she was California Attorney General in 2011. Yeah, she slept her way to the top of the California Attorney's office. 20 years later, yeah. after after sleeping with the person. It didn't pay off until 20 years later. Mm -hmm. um, so... Anyway, like, she apologized because that's dumb. That is also an ad hominem. You're right. Yep. An ad hominem is whenever you attack somebody's character instead of what they're saying. So Kamala apparently said that she fought for ideals. And Tommy was like, did you fight for ideals or did you sleep your way to the top? And it's like, that's just a personal attack. That doesn't actually mean. And also, even if she slept her way to the top, that doesn't mean that she couldn't have fought for ideals. Like, those are not even mutually, like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. just a personal attack. It has nothing to do with any of it. Yeah, Tommy's going to go around talking about how, uh, yeah, I, I support strong women no matter what party they're from. And then just attack Kamala Harris saying you must have slept your way to the top. She's incredible. Kamala is also a person of color. She is not a blonde white woman, so... In case mentioning. anyone doesn't know Kamala Harris. Well, I'm saying, like, from the scope of that could be a contributing factor of why Tommy is not supportive of her as Probably, a woman. Probably, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Although she does mention that uh, one of the strong women she looks up to is Oprah Winfrey. That's wild. Yeah. That's so strange. You know how many, like, conservatives hate Oprah Winfrey a lot? Most? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, go off, Tommy. She made the mistake of beefing with Cardi B in 2019. Why would you ever beef with Cardi B? Anyway, Cardi B was talking about the border wall and talking about Donald Trump in 2019 and Tommy Loren tweeted, looks like Cardi B is the latest genius political mind to endorse the Democrats. Ha, keep it up, guys. Hashtag MAGA 2020. Cardi B responds, leave me alone, I will dog walk you. Which is funny. Oh, wh what does that mean? 
like like literally like walk you like a dog like like put you on a leash and like force you to go like where i'm gonna go like it's like probably like bitch slap so it's like a literal thing not like a metaphorical thing it is a metaphorical thing but it's like if somebody's like if you dog walk someone then you are in control of them you're more important than they are like you're the master and they're the dog okay okay so that's what i take it to mean so like being dog walked would be kind of like an insult like i'm gonna treat you like i do my dog which i treat my dog really well so like that may not be so bad but anyway i'm gonna dog walk you we're gonna go out for 30 minutes we're gonna get some sun Uh, when we get back i'll make sure to feed you and give you a ton of belly rubs oh yeah and then we're gonna go get a puppuccino like see like that would be and if it's too cold (laughs) we're gonna put your sweater on so that so maybe a little different than what she means. I don't think that's what she means, but anyway, my dog gets treated very, very good. She's so sweet. So Tommy responds, I'm sure you would. It still doesn't make your political rambling any less moronic. Hashtag build that wall. Which is a good point. Cause Tommy well Tommy it's kind of not, and it kind of is, because Tommy's basically like, it looks like Car- he, she kind of attacks Cardi B's character. It's not even like she made a point. She just said that, ooh, Cardi B's the latest genius to endorse the Democrats. Ha ha ha. So she tries to, then Cardi B's like, leave me alone. I literally didn't talk to you. I'll dog walk you. And she's like, I'm sure you would. It still doesn't make your political rambling any less moronic. So she's trying to be like, don't, you know, like... it's like she's saying hold on don't change the topic but the topic is i'm insulting you thank you thank you thank you i was that's exactly what i was trying to say she didn't even make a point and cardi b was just like leave me alone like you just called me stupid like implied that i was stupid like so anyway um and so cardi b responds you're so blinded with racism that you don't even realize the decisions the president you root for is destroying the country you claim to love so much you're a perfect example on no matter how educated or smart you think you are you are still a sheep get her and then they went into like thoughts on taxes and stuff and cardi b said i'm paying about four million in taxes this year so most likely i'm paying for your insurance responding to another person like a a fan uh that's if your favorite president don't take my tax money for his wall mr white bread and tommy said you do realize these high taxes you complain about are the bedrock of the democratic party right if you want lower taxes and more economic freedom beware of the party you are rooting for so that's where the beef ended but she's beefed with a couple people she beefed with, um, who else did she beef with? She beefed with Beyonce whenever Beyonce did the Super Bowl. Jay-Z also. Yeah, she beefed with Jay-Z saying that and he was a drug dealer. Jay-Z mentioned her in one of his uh, rap tracks after that. I think he did. I think it was called Drug Dealers Anonymous, so he specifically referenced that line she made about ah, him. I love that. Mm. Hova. Love Jay-Z. His nickname is Hova. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I said that. I'm not up with the culture. I'm sorry. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, Yeah, that's what I have. That brings us up to date. She's a Fox News contributor. She beefs with people. She still has her final thoughts segment. That's like what Jake said, what kind of brought her through to today. 
So yeah, then we're going to get into some bad takes. Jake's got some serious bad takes. I have some funny bad takes, kind of. So... But yeah, that, that's kind of uh, Tommy's modus operandi is her big thing is going to be her final thoughts segments. And other than that, she just tries to say the most incendiary things she can. And, you know, she's one of those people who talks about, oh, I'm just trying to start a conversation. But really, she just wants the attention. Yes. Oh, I have one more thing. I'm sorry. This is the last part. I thought it was a part of her bad takes, but literally what she says is just a bad take. So it was part of my notes for catching us up. For COVID, she's taken the stance you would imagine. She had a very interesting... Yes. So in 2019, in response to a measles outbreak, she said... Now we have a measles outbreak in L.A. County as if we don't have enough problems. If not vaccinating your kid only impacted your kid, fine. But that's not the case. Vaccinate your kids or go home. I'm sorry, or stay home. Then in 2021, in July. That's what we like to hear. Well, in 2021, she said, when Biden's vaccine patrol comes a knocking, they can kiss my country ass. Uh, sorry, I cut off the screenshot. It says, um, oh, keep your experimental, yeah, sorry, keep your experimental vaccine and shove it in your own arms. Ah, dang, she had us in the first half, not gonna lie. Yeah, so. With the first half being 2019. And you could make, you could make a case that measles and COVID aren't the same thing, but I think for the purpose of what we're talking about, they are. It's a spreadable disease. An infectious disease. Yeah, it's it's a contagious disease that can be very deadly. And we have a vaccine that is shown to prevent the spread. In philosophy, we have this thing called treating like cases alike, which means that if you have a view on one thing and then another thing comes up and it's comparable or very, very similar to the first thing, you should have the same view on the first thing and the second thing. Um, So treat like cases alike. So in this case, these things seem like like cases uh, or similar cases. So if Tommy thinks that for measles, you should vaccinate your kid because vaccinating, choosing not to vaccinate doesn't just impact your kid and you should get vaccinated or you should stay home. She should think the same thing for COVID. Exactly right. And I don't know how her brain works that she doesn't see that relation. I don't know. Because she thinks of COVID like the flu and she would make the case that the flu and the measles aren't alike. So she lumps COVID in with like the flu, which is not true, but Yeah. And this COVID this COVID tweet was July of 2021. Like we we had already had COVID for a year and a half and she's still saying things like this. Yeah. So, anyway, that's my last thing. I thought it was a part of my bad takes, but it's actually not. Well, I mean, it is I a mean, bad it's a bad take. take. It's just it just wasn't in that covering. segment. <laughs> <laughs> Move into bad takes. 
And Jake, do you want, how do you want to layer this? I think I have three and you have two. Do you want me to go first and then you sprinkle yours in the middle? That sounds good. Okay. Tommy Loren, July 7th, 2021. Biden should be sending his vaccine patrol down to the border. The illegal immigrants are bringing in lots of COVID. Start there. Bad take for a couple reasons. One, it's a red herring. She's trying to take the eyes, because the, the situation is Biden is encouraging American citizens to be vaccinated. And instead of dealing with the fact that like over 90% of COVID deaths now are unvaccinated folks, um, she pivots and brings up a different issue and says that Biden should be sending his vaccine patrol down to the border. The illegal immigrants are bringing in lots of COVID. Start there. So that's a red herring. It's bringing up a different issue instead of dealing with the issue at hand. Um, it gives no information as to why we shouldn't be encouraging American citizens to be vaccinated. It simply tries to shift the blame to the fact that an undocumented person um, is bringing in COVID, which I don't even know that that's a legitimate claim. I, I did not look into the validity of that because from a logic standpoint, um, that's not necessarily relevant. It's really just the fact that she doesn't deal with the argument at hand and, and brings up something else. That's a red herring. It's also just confusing because she thinks that COVID is like a hoax. So it's like, is it a hoax or are, quote, illegal immigrants bringing in lots of COVID? Like, which is it? Like, you need to remain consistent in your viewpoint on these things. Like, do you believe in the efficacy of the vaccine and that it can help stop the spread of COVID or not? Well, these illegal immigrants are bringing in a lot of hoax. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, that's basically... I don't know. It's also just kind of like race. As long as you're crazy, it all makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's also just like racism packaged in a nice bow. Like, it's kind of like the narrative, oh no, the brown people are coming into America and disrupting the whiteness. They're also bringing in diseases. They're also rapists. Don't let them in. And of course, that is referencing a Donald Trump quote where he says that Mexico is sending rapists and criminals into America um, and not sending its best people to come into America. Yeah, for, for a girl who claims that uh, Marco Rubio was her preferred candidate over Donald Trump, she and Donald Trump think a lot alike, say a lot of a lot alike. Yeah, she seems to just kind of be like, a chameleon. I think she just wants to be relevant. So I tend to think that uh, she's gonna, I think she would like, she's gonna pivot based on like what's most popular at the time. That's what it seems like to me. Yeah, I, I think that's a good guess. Uh, I, I didn't know if it was more that or more, uh, she was like masquerading as a more traditional conservative yeah. who might support Marco Rubio, when in her head she was more of a Trump conservative already. See, and obviously I have no way of knowing either way. That very well could be the case. Yeah, I, I've, I've not seen an interview on that subject, so I don't know what her thoughts are there. All we can do is speculate. She does denounce the alt-right. Mm -hmm, I saw that. 
Yeah, so she does denounce the alt-right and thinks that they're really gross. Very similar to how Ben Shapiro does in our last episode. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that's that's my first one. Just uh, good old red herring about the vaccine. Yeah, we, we we love to see it, except we don't, and it's terrible. All right. So, uh... It, for for both of my sections, I'm going to be covering uh, her fu- uh, a couple of her th- final thoughts videos. So uh, this first one is one she made in 2015 after that Chattanooga shooting I mentioned uh, earlier. So she spends the first 30 seconds telling her audience it was obvious that the shooter was a terrorist. But the only information she provides us about the shooter is that he was a shooter and that he was Muslim. It's all she tell us, tells us about him. So this is an example of the post-hoc fallacy, also called the false cause fallacy, because a person's religious affiliation does not automatic, automatically determine their terrorist status. Good call on that one. Yeah, good I, call out. I feel like we shouldn't have to point that out, but apparently we do. It's like that um, family guy really famous family oh, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. Scene, like scene when he gets yeah, like he's a taxi over. driver and uh yeah three shades of white or okay three shades of brown or terrorist yeah like it's um peter is driving he's a taxi driver or something he gets pulled over and the cop pulls out a skin tone card to like match him to and the top three are like shades of white that like jake said not to be redundant say okay and then there are darker uh shades for people of color um and it says terrorist, so it's, yeah. It's obvious that he was a terrorist because he was a Muslim and he shot someone. Mm-hmm. That's no different than saying um, the person was a Christian and shot someone, therefore they must be a part of Westboro Baptist Church or like some sort of, you know, like not that Westboro Baptist Church like shoots people, but like you could try it with another religion. Like that person was a Christian and shot someone, therefore they must be, you know, a a crusader or something. You know what I mean? Like right. it just sounds silly if you say it with any other religion, other than Muslim, which means that it's just as silly saying it about a Muslim person. But that just to show the point. Have you heard how they cover it in the media? Whenever there is a white person shooter, they refer to them as a lone wolf gunman. Yeah. If it is a Muslim shooter, they refer to them as uh, terrorist affiliated. Mm-hmm. Like they always assume a group for a Muslim shooter, yep. but just assume uh, one example of uh, mental instability if it's a white person. Oh, yeah. And they always show like really nice photos, like family photos for white people. Graduating from high school. That guy who like the guy down in France. Where was it? It's right in Colorado. The guy who snapped and murdered his wife and two kids. It was in like Franktown or something. He like literally dumped them in like an oil thing because where he worked like nasty and killed his wife, drove the daughters out with the dead mom like in the back seat and then smothered his two kids and the mom was the woman was pregnant the wife and mom 
And uh, literally, like, in all the news posts, it's, like, pictures of them, like, as a happy family and, like, him at work, like, LinkedIn photos, like, and it's, and he's, like, a mass, like, murderer. So, and whenever any, anybody, whether it be, like, um, a black person or Muslim, whatever, they always try to affiliate black people with gangs, like, any of, like, um, George Floyd is a good example, really any, um, person of color who has been shot by police, they try to affiliate them with some sort of gang activity and show, you know, some sort of photo to make you think lesser of them. Whereas with white people, they literally show like a LinkedIn headshot every time. That is so tone deaf to show a picture of a happy family after he killed his family. Literally, yes. Like that, I mean, you can't get any more tone deaf than that. So, yep, that's what they be doing insane Mm -hmm. after talking about how obvious it was that this guy was a terrorist uh, she then compares that to the shooting at a black church in charleston south carolina by dylan roof she's like yeah the, the fbi took what three days a week to call this guy a terrorist and dylan roof they knew it that same day and i would like to point out that this is a false equivalency because Dylan Roof was very open about his white supremacy. Uh, he, he told all his friends about it. He wrote about it in his journal. He wrote about it on the internet. Whereas the Chattanooga shooter, uh, Muhammad Abdulaziz, was not open about his radicalization. So an investigation into his motives was required. It, it just depends on how much evidence is readily available. It, it's like... If you're talking about being a white supremacist before you shoot up a church, everyone's going to know it. If if you're by yourself in your room before you go shoot up a military installation, then people are going to be like, why did this happen? Well, and he went into the church and said that, I mean, he was like talking like about it when he went into the church and there were people who survived, right? So they would have heard him. Like, <laughs> It was like they had witnesses on hand who yeah. could confirm his white supremacist uh, views. Wild. Mm-hmm. A little further into the video, and Tommy says, Should we vet the social media accounts of those applying for visas into this country? Hell yes, we should. To which I would respond, And violate the right to privacy of someone who hasn't committed a crime? Uh, sounds like she has been drinking some fascism light. Ooh, but uh, Yeah. There, so, that's, you uh, can't th- do that, right? Like, that's... I mean... You can, but you shouldn't. Yeah, but there um is there not documentation, government documentation that says you're not supposed to do that? I'm not sure right offhand. I just can't imagine that those documents are being equally applied to people, especially if they're people coming from Muslim countries. Yeah. Okay. Continue. I was just curious. So this uh, this social media statement she has is a slippery slope evolved from an overgeneralization. Uh, there are Muslim terrorists, just like there are Christian and non-religious terrorists, but it does not follow, logically, to profile a group based on the actions of a few of its members. Though in this situation, I do tend to blame the media rather than conservatives in general or Tommy Loren. Uh, because it's the media's fault that terrorism is the only thing most Americans associate with Islam. Correct. I once mentioned one time to someone 
they were talking about how whenever they saw someone who was a Muslim, they assumed that like they were a terrorist or there was like a concern. And I was like, how would you feel? Oh, 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 I remember. And they said that Islam was a violent religion. They were not a part of, they did not know very much about Islam. Sounds like it. But that it was a violent religion at the heart of it. And that someone who was a Muslim, like, was, like, probably a terrorist or was a part of a violent religion. And I said, that's a misrepresentation of Islam. And they said, no, it's not. And they, this person was a Christian. So I said, what if someone said, I've seen Westboro Baptist Church on the news. You say you're a Christian. You're a part of Westboro Baptist Church. And they, and you say, well, oh my goodness, no, 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 I'm not. That's not real Christianity. You've seen some extremist version, you know, um, on the news. And by the way, Westboro Baptist Church is the church that um, goes to military folks' funeral, um, of fallen soldiers' <laughs> um, funerals, and um, holds up signs that says, like, God hates F-A-G-S, talking about, mm-hmm. like, the military. Westboro Baptist Church is, like, not good juju, very bad people. They're in the news for doing horrible things. So, and so this person was like, no, I would be so upset because I would say, well, that's not Christianity. And what if they said, yeah, no, but I've seen it on the news. Yes, it is. And they were like, but it's not. And I was like, okay, so stick with me here. What if Muslims feel the same way? It's like, I saw on the news that Islam was a violent religion filled with terrorists and someone, a part of the religion said, no, that's not true. You've been misinformed. Let me tell you what it's really about. And you said, no, I've seen it on the news. I know what it is. Like, that's the same thing. Whenever you apply anything that is awful, that like people make a horrible generalization or whatever about Islam, try doing the same thing to Christianity. And even if you're not a Christian, if you're in America or in a place where Christianity is like the main religion, you'll quickly see how absolutely invalid and hateful it is to do things like that anyway it's it's just a basic application of the golden rule um it's just some people choose not to see it yep absolutely anyway i apologize i hijacked continue uh tommy continues If you're in this country and you pledge allegiance to ISIS or any other terror group, you should lose your citizenship and get a one-way ticket over to the desert where you belong. This isn't exactly a fallacy since it is just an opinion, but it is racist, I'd like to point out. Question. We don't. Hang on. Do you think if somebody pledges allegiance to ISIS or is a part of a terror group that they should be able to remain an American citizen? If they're no way, if they're truly a part of a terrorist group, I guess I don't really see why not. It, it, it's like we can still prosecute them according to American laws. That uh, just throw them in jail. I guess I don't okay. know why we need to deport them for that. And also, is it good to deport them rather than um? incarcerate them because then they're just able to go back to somewhere they're able to like go freely somewhere else and possibly yeah like actually actually go meet up with a terrorist cell become further further radicalized yeah exactly 
Okay, yeah. So you're saying someone who is a part of a terror group should be incarcerated, but should not be deported over and sent into the desert. I guess. Okay. I, I, I hadn't put much thought into it, but that, that sounds about right. Okay. It, it was just the way she said, uh, over to the desert where you belong. Yes. It, it struck me weird. Yeah. As if, I mean, terrorism is not just um, in the Middle East. So, like, it is it is racist to assume that terrorism, like, is just in the Middle East because it's not. Yeah, because she does say ISIS or any other terror group. Yeah. But then she says to the desert, like, they're all Middle Eastern groups. Yeah. So I, I get. I guess you could call that a false dichotomy, where where she's in, where she's saying uh, that there's only one kind of terrorist group, and that's Middle Eastern. Okay, I can see that. Okay, I was just purely curious about that. So we don't even have to include yeah. that if you don't want. I was just curious. We we work our way to it. Yeah, I was there, just there, curious. There, there's a fallacy somewhere in there. We just gotta dig a little bit. I have one that I don't know the fallacy on. I just need to run it by you. So we'll get there. Uh, Tommy continues, second chances are for kindergartners, not jihadis. I would call this one a false dichotomy. Um, I, I won't say that anyone should get a second chance, but I will say that we shouldn't blanket ban due process to whole groups of people. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, I mean, it's not just like there's kid kindergartners or jihadis, like that's a really... That's a bad false dichotomy whenever you, mm -hmm. which for, if this is your first episode, that's a fallacy in which someone presents something as if there's it's only- It's either or. Yep, as no, an either no or way. with two options, whenever in reality there could be a multitude of other options. So, yeah, yikes. False dichotomy. Uh, she continues, well, in the words of Mike Huckabee, if Islam is so great and peaceful, you should welcome the attention. What? Yeah. Um, like I like I get <sighs> Again, again, let's apply this to Christianity. Let's say we're talking about Christianity in the Westboro Baptist Church. And on the news, they make it seem like the only Christians are those that are a part of the Westboro Baptist Church. That's what Christianity is. And churches who are not a part of Westboro Baptist Church that are loving Christians that, you know, are not doing things like that, are saying, that's not what Christianity is all about. Stop saying that. And someone said, oh, no, you shouldn't be upset that the news is falsely reporting that you're doing things in a part of things that your religion is violent and anti-military. You shouldn't be upset about that. If Christianity is so peaceful, you should be glad for the attention. That's like gaslight. That's like not a fallacy. That's like gaslighting. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Why would they be happy for... He's trying to be like, you shouldn't... Like, if it's really so peaceful, then like the truth will come out that it's peaceful. And it's like, yes, but you're misrepresenting the religion. You're talking about reporting by biased people who have a vested interest in ensuring that Islam is looked at negatively. So no, we're not going to welcome quote, attention from people like that. Yeah. So again, this is built on an overgeneralization. 
that that there are some Muslim terrorists, but it's a loaded question to say if Islam is so great and peaceful, you should welcome the attention because it's like you're already implying it's not. Yes. Yeah. It's like an example of um, a loaded question would be like, did you stop beating your wife yet? Like, it's a question in which you're assuming the answer. Uh, And then the other thing I wanted to call is this is an appeal to authority fallacy. So uh, Mike Huckabee is a popular name among conservatives, and he's a pastor, but he's not a pastor of Islam. And uh, just being popular should not give his words any extra weight when we're considering the rights of U.S. citizens. Uh, especially if what we're talking about doing is giving increased scrutiny to an entire religion based on the actions of a few members and a cultural perception of that religion. The next to last point she makes is on Guantanamo Bay. Uh, Should we close Guantanamo Bay? No! Are we going to send them to Qatar to visit Clockboy or put them here in our backyard? Am I the only one who watched the wild goose chase of two escaped convicts last summer? I don't know uh, what she's talking about with those uh, wild goose chase of two escaped convicts, but uh, what she is doing here is kind of a mixture of a few different fallacies. We've got an appeal to emotion. This one is fear-mongering, rolled together with a false dichotomy and a slippery slope. Her basic argument boils down to, if we close Gitmo, terrorists will be loose in America. Three rolled into one. It's really good. Yeah. I think... You're so impressive. I know. I was going to say, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is the only one that's done equal to or more all in one go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Three fallacies in one. That takes effort. It's almost like tr- you have to try mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, she- she's using that 5D brain to just put together bullshit. What a mess. Uh, so she she talks about, are we going to send them to Qatar to visit Clockboy? Um, so I did look up what she was talking about there. Um, y- you remember way back in 2015, there was a Muslim boy who brought a disassembled clock to school and was arrested because his teachers thought it might be a bomb? No. Where was this at? In Qatar? Well, uh, no. Oh. This, this happened in America. Oh. God, that sounds right. I mean, in tw- like, I mean, I'm sure that happened. I'm not surprised to hear that, but I did not. I did was not aware that happened. You don't remember that? I was repressing almost everything in 2015. I barely remember anything from 2015. Literally. Yeah. So, so, so he was 14 years old at the time. And he was into electronics, so uh, he he brought he disassembled a clock, a digital clock, and brought it in to teachers to be like, hey, look how good I did. And they're like, oh no, a Muslim with exposed wires, that must be a bomb. So they called the police, and he was arrested for it. Uh, eventually, the charges were dropped, but he's, eventually. his family's- yeah. As if they didn't just get there and say, ma'am, this is a disassembled clock. Hello? Mm-hmm. Oh, that poor, 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 poor thing. Oh, that, tr- so, that yeah, breaks uh, my heart. Him and his family oh. got a ton of shit from it. Uh, Why? Including from, including from Glenn Beck. For what? Ben Shapiro. 
and other Fox News co- uh, commentators. For what? For what? For being Muslim. I don't know. They're the same things they're always mad about. So he was arrested for nothing, and then uh-huh. they continued to get shit about it? For what? Yeah. For letting him take it to school? Like, it, was it like a victim-blaming thing? Like, it's your fault. You're a Muslim. You should know if you bring a disassembled clock to school, you're going to get arrested. Yeah, I, I believe what they accused him of was purposely making it look like a bomb to, 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 to perpetrate a scare. I'm so disgusted. Mm-hmm. That poor kid and his family, so they had to leave America and move to Qatar? Yeah, it looks like he got a scholarship from the Qatar Foundation, so they moved there, uh, partly to pursue that scholarship and partly to escape the harassment they were facing. Every day is a new hell. Mm-hmm. I hope my next breath is my last. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding, everyone. I'm okay. I'm just kidding. But, uh, so the the very last sentence she makes is, all of these things are motivated by one thing: feelings. Uh, don't want to offend anyone or make them feel watched. And it's like, yeah, I I I should hope so. Uh, she spends this whole video talking about how important it is to monitor and to limit the rights of Muslims so her white audience can feel safe in their homes. I just wish she'd extend the same thoughtfulness to the people who would be impacted by these proposals, simply because of the color of their skin and the religion they subscribe to. Yeah, what a mess. She's basically doing that facts don't care about your feelings thing. Yeah, she is, and the... Except is, they're though. not facts. It's like they're yeah. <laughs> white grievances don't care about your feelings. <laughs> I need that on like a sticker. <laughs> like, ironically, like as <laughs> like a white grievances don't care about your feelings. Like, oh my god, yeah, that's hmm. okay. I'll sprinkle one of my fun ones in. Yay! Yay! All right, get ready for this doozy. I don't know what the fallacy is, but I know there is one. I don't know if it's a false dichotomy Mm. or if it's something more nuanced. We don't need more government. We need more values. We need more morals. We need more faith, more God, more virtue. Talking about gun control. Mm. Oh. Yeah. We don't need gun control. We need Jesus. I could have sworn she was talking about abortion. Mm-mm. Nope. Guns. There's a fallacy in there. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if it's like a false dichotomy. We like need more government. That seems like a good bet. Yeah, like we don't need government. It's either government or God, and we don't need government. Mm. We need God. Like, government isn't going to help us. God is the only thing that can change the heart of the person, like, that wants to pull the trigger. Like, if someone's heart is wrong, like, government control can't, if they can't get guns, they'll just get them illegally or they'll get something else. They'll just use knives and explosives. Yeah. Which I would rather be attacked with a knife than a gun, because you're a lot more likely to survive. 
Yeah. Like a lot. Like if like if mm-hmm. I asked somebody that one time and they were like, No, I'd rather I'd rather like a gun or they said that they wouldn't rather be attacked with a gun. At knife, least that way I can die quickly. Like, I mean like if someone comes into a restaurant with a knife, someone's gonna tackle them. And like two mm-hmm. people get hurt tops. Right. Anyway, whole other conversation. But I think that's a false dichotomy. You remember back in like gosh the 90s whenever it was i was um, barely uh, uh, alive so probably not but go ahead yeah uh, australia had a mass shooting so uh they did a buyback on assault rifles uh-huh. and like and, and like banned assault rifles yeah and then they, and then they haven't had a mass shooting since yeah and it's like oh wow so gun control works huh it literally works everywhere else like everywhere that has it it literally works there's plenty of free places yeah she, she's talking about we don't we don't need more government we need more god and it's like well i mean when other people did more government it worked so yeah and also not everyone is going to become a christian like if your solution to america is to cut down on diversity on diversity of religion and have everyone be a christian that's not a real solution because yeah. not everyone's going to do that. It's kind of like you're missing the point of America. Yeah, and there are also bad Christians. I'm not saying that there are Christians necessarily um, that are going out and like, shooting people. Like I, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that there very well could be. Like Just because someone is a Christian, what would prevent them from being a Christian and going and shooting people? I would make the case. That, again, to throw it back to um, when the KKK could be a little bit more loud and proud, um, a lot of Christians, like, did a lot of bad things to people of color. Like, lynched them and set their stuff on fire. And the point being that being a Christian doesn't stop you from doing bad things. Mm -hmm. Um, So why would being a Christian stop you from killing someone? Like, of course, and of course they mean, of course she means, like, tr- if you truly had faith in God, if you truly had more values and morals, blah 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 But that's like saying if we had more values and morals, um, I don't know. I mean, you'd, you'd be making the same argument if you said we need more morals, more faith, more Allah. Um, y- you'd be making the same argument then. But but uh, she just wouldn't see it that way because that's not her people. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I think that that and it's also I think it might just be missing the point as well, like which is a fallacy where just your conclusion doesn't follow from the premises. Like, I don't know how you get like. America is like. One of the only like free um, first world nations that has issues with mass shooting so much because the other free nations have more of a limit on gun access. So like gun control does work to limit mass shootings. And you're like, no, we don't need that. We need God. Like, it seems like it's missing, missing the point to me. Um, So I would make that case too, but it's just also like really out of like out of touch. So that's that one. All right, I will go ahead and hit my second one then. 
This one is going to be Tommy Lauren's, let's see, 2016 Final Thoughts on Colin Kaepernick. And this was just a few days after he knelt for the first time. So, she starts off by calling him a whiny, indulgent, attention-seeking crybaby. This is an ad hominem. In all of the interviews I have watched, uh, Colin has looked composed and determined. That said, even if he was whiny and attention-seeking, that would not affect the validity of his argument. We're supposed to look at the facts and the logical structure, not the delivery. She continues, The national anthem and our flag are not symbols of black America, or white America, or brown America, or purple America. There are patriots of every race who have fought and died for this country, and we honor the flag and sing the anthem as a reminder. This is purely her opinion on what the, the anthem and the flag stand for, because strictly speaking, they represent the nation of the United States. Many people have chosen to associate these things with the military, but that's not an intrinsic value if they represent. If the flag and the anthem represent a facet of American culture like military service, then they could just as easily represent racism and police brutality. That's some tea. That is some tea. You're on a roll. Plus, it's a bit of a non-sequitur to say, uh, the, the national anthem and the flag are not symbols of black America, yada yada. There are patriots of every race who have fought and died for this country. It's She's talking about what they symbolize, and then talking about what people have done for them. And it's like, the, the, those things don't follow logically from one to the other. Oh, that's a good point! You can relate them, but there's not a direct causal correlation. Yeah, that's like that's like saying... Let's see if this flops or not. That's that's the same logical structure as like Dunkin' Donuts was founded. This is a lie. I don't know this. Um, Dunkin' Donuts was founded as a family-oriented, small business, American dream type stuff. Oh, and a lot of families have shopped there. Yeah, and the people go there all the time. And it's like it, she's jumping from America. Sh she's saying like, America can't symbolize this. It, America, the American flag and national anthem can't symbolize this particular facet of American culture, even though, according to me, it represents all these other facets of American culture, like military service, because all races have died in the military. And all people dying in the military does not correlate to what the national anthem and the American flag um, is symbolism for in any capacity. To, to build off your Dunkin' Donuts analogy, it's like saying uh, D Dunkin' Donuts uh, started as a family-oriented business, families shop there, so we have to shop there to honor families. Yes! Yes! <laughs> that doesn't make any sense! <laughs> it doesn't make any sense! Yeah, no, that doesn't follow. It's an... It's a non sequitur. It does not follow. There we go. See? That's sometimes helpful to just like apply things to different things. We've done that a lot in this episode. Like if you swap out yeah. Muslim with Christian or you swap out the American flag with Dunkin' Donuts, like it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's good if stuff. If you swap out the American flag with Dunkin' Donuts, I don't see the difference. <laughs> America runs on Dunkin'. You, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've heard that. I've heard that on the TV. It must be true. 
Okay, I'm sorry. I derailed again. Yeah. Um, so this is also an example of the bandwagon fallacy. Uh, argumentum ad populum. Uh, just because many people believe something, like the American flag represents the military, that does not make it factually accurate. Tommy continues, if this country disgusts you so much, leave. So first, I'd like to point out that she is building a straw man here. Uh, Kaepernick has not said that he is disgusted with America, only that he wishes to call attention to a problem America has. Uh, he's even directly stated that the gesture of kneeling was not meant to disrespect the military, the country, or the flag, and his teammate Eric Reed, who knelt with him, stated, We chose to kneel because it's a respectful gesture. I remember thinking our posture was like a flag flown at half-mast to mark a tragedy. If this country disgusts you so much and you're doing this to disrespect the flag, that, that, that's all just a straw man argument built up. N none of that was part of what the kneeling was about. No one is actually saying what she's saying. The way she's portraying it is portraying it as obviously disrespectful. A, a very non, um, a very simple issue that she can easily brush aside with just like, oh, leave, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But in reality... They've said that that's not what it's about, and they've basically said, if, if you're saying things like Tommy is, you're misrepresenting us, because that's not what we're getting at. Yeah, and uh, I, I know it's not, like, strictly relevant in a logical sense, but when, when they were deciding how to do this peaceful protest, if they were going to uh, sit or kneel or whatever, they, ended, they did talk to a, uh, a football player who was a former Green Beret, uh, so, so they do have military support for saying kneeling is the best way to go about this, even if it is just one example of a military person. And there are a lot of military people who were okay with the gesture and didn't find it disrespectful. So, I mean, it was split. There were a lot of military folks who did find it disrespectful, so I'm not trying to say it was like a right. majority or anything, but it wasn't just one example. So also the uh the the base <laughs> when she's saying if you hate it here leave that is an incredibly common nationalist trope it is a false dichotomy because there are options between unquestioning loyalty to your country and emigration yeah, very true. It's not just like agree with absolutely everything or get out. Like you can critique and want to make America better and still want to live in America. Just because you live in America doesn't mean that you can't critique anything about it. Or that you don't love America. How are you going to make America better if you don't critique anything? Mm-hmm. Hello? Exactly. She follows up that statement with, Those who don't live under this flag are banging on the door to get in, not get out. And yeah, that, that, that is true for a huge percentage of the world population. It's just kind of ironic that she's saying that, considering how anti-immigrant she is. Like uh, parroting Trump's rhetoric on shithole countries and talking about the need for Americans to own guns to better protect themselves against Mexican migrants. Also, people are leaving America. Yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, what were those stats I saw earlier? There's like non There's like nine million Americans who live overseas. Yeah, like people are are leaving uh, America. So yeah, that's. That's not necessarily true that everybody's banging to get in um, and not to get out, because there are people who do leave America. Yeah, 
there, there, there are a lot of people who are begging to get in. Oh, though. absolutely. Even, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to discount that. But e- I even mean, if there are also a lot of people trying to get out and there are people who are unconcerned either way, they're fine where they are. Oh, of course. I just wanted to. She was trying to say, like, people want to get in here, not leave. Look how great it is. And it's like, I mean, there are people mm-hmm. who want to be in, but there's also people who are here that want to leave. So, like, I'm not saying right. I'm saying it's probably a smaller. There's more people that want to get into America than want to leave, I'm sure. But I think that it's a good context thing to be like, it's not like there's nobody that that leaves America after living here. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they enjoy living somewhere else better. So anyway, just wanted to call that out. Yeah. So uh, she, she calls out Colin. Uh, what have you done to make it being our country better? Um, so I think the kneeling that he did was actually incredibly important for, uh, helping bring attention to, uh, and conversation to police brutality. But, you know, apart from that, he's also donated a million dollars from his 2016-2017 salary to, uh, Meals on Wheels and various social groups. And he started a charity, the Know Your Rights Camp, to educate young people of color and to donate to other social justice causes. So it's like, he's done a lot to make our country better, actually. I would also like to point out that even if he had done nothing to make the country better, it doesn't mean that what he was saying would be any less valid. That would be, um, I think that's an ad hominem. It's like an ad hominem and kind of a red herring as well. It's like a, well, you, like, you're a hypocrite, so I don't have to listen to what you're saying. And that's not true. Yeah, so, so, so like a like a two coke way. Yeah. At, at yes. Hominem. Thank you. Yeah. It, um. So basically, it's a U two ad hominem, like Y O U T O O, saying like, "Well, you also do this, so I don't have to listen to you." And in reality, it doesn't matter who says the statement. Um. Just because it comes out of their mouth doesn't make it untrue. Um. He has mm. done a lot, so we want to factually represent that and set the record straight. But even if he hadn't, it wouldn't affect his argument. Being a hypocrite doesn't affect the words coming out of your mouth, like as far as their factual, like their their factualness and their accuracy. So I just wanted to point that out as well. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out. Oh, and here's where she gets really irate. She says, how dare you sit there and blame white people for the problems in minority communities? Aren't you half white? Didn't two white parents adopt you after yours weren't willing to raise you? What? Yeah. Why is she so angry? Gosh. Uh, I think she's got this idea of whiteness in her head. So so any little chip chipping away at that just makes her go crazy. If you listen to the video, she is actually pissed when she's saying this. Like, Tommy, like, Go to therapy. I'm literally begging you. <laughs> Please. TBH. God, okay. Yeah, so so like we were just saying, this is a variation of the ad hominem argument known as tu quoque, or you too. She, she, she's basically calling him a hypocrite because he is half white and blaming white people for the problems that people of color are facing. I think Tommy should instinctively realize that with her being white and having two white parents, 
that doesn't stop you from being able to talk about race and race issues. The color of your skin does not affect the validity of an argument, though it can affect what you talk about and how you talk about it. Absolutely. It's like very, like, why is she so mad? Mm-hmm. Jeez. She, that, yeah, that she, she has uh, built her final thoughts segments on just being really mad about something for three minutes. In, a, in an Alex Jones kind of way, just very condensed. Okay. Well. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, she brings up another straw man argument. Uh, she she says, uh, you think this is a racist and horrible country filled with racist and horrible people? Mm. And it's like, no, he's he's not said he's never said that. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to feel like she's projecting a bit. Like she knows America is racist, and uh, but but she's denying it to herself. So the cracks start to show, and the truth starts to slip out. She the the whole thing is just like like it just very like emotional. Like just, it was it was hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, it t- it t- it took me. Like it was only three minutes. But it felt like it, an it eternity. It took me a while to get through everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he like never said that. Like, I, I mean, again, it's like projecting. It's like he literally never said that. Like, if you feel called out, maybe you need to look in the mirror. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I did. I don't want to say I didn't feel called out. I don't want to say that because that's not true. Because it is the job of white people to dismantle white supremacy. It is not people of colors job so i'm not saying that but i was in solidarity with colin and what he was trying to talk about i did not feel personally attacked by that um i was feeling like called out like it's my job to continue to help this cause because i'm a part of the group of people that benefits from it perpetuates it and created it so like it's my job to dismantle it but i wasn't like He's talking about me and saying I'm racist and horrible. You know what I mean? It's kind of like whenever people say exactly, yeah. not all, it's not the same thing, but whenever someone's like, um, a woman says men are trash and like men get really mad and it's like, well, if you're someone who gets mad at that statement, it's probably about you because the men who it's not about know it's not about them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you can recognize as part of a group yeah. that the, the group you are in is an issue. Yeah. but. Exactly like you were saying, if you feel personally called out, it's because you're getting defensive. You know, it's you you know that you're part of the problem. Yeah. You know, and not just by being a part of the group, like you're actively participating, not just like you benefit by being a part of the group, but like you actively are participating in these things and having these thoughts and participating openly and voluntarily to perpetuate that system. So yeah, it's it's like I mean, girl, like I, why are you having such a visceral and primal response to this? Yeah, wild. So, uh, Tommy says, "Who's getting away with murder?" Apparently, in reference to when Colin Kaepernick said, "There are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder." So I would like to point out, uh, at the time Tommy recorded this video. Uh, to a few people who had gotten away with murder are the cop who killed Eric Garner, 
the cop who killed Tamir Rice, the cop who killed Philando Castile, and the neighborhood watchman who killed Trayvon Martin. Among others. Just four examples out of, like, like a ton. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Oh, here we go. I see some of these quotes coming up. She's mad. Yeah. Uh, Tommy says, When will those in black communities step back and take some responsibility for the problems in black communities? Blaming white people for all your problems might make you the racist. L-O-L. Bitch, what? She's literally unhinged at this point. Oh my god. What? She is uh, denying the reality of systemic racism in America and engaging in some uh, ad hominem name-calling. Just cherry on the cake. Yeah, for those who may not have background on this, um, if you look at any sort of applied version of how um, racism presents itself in uh, our society and not just the definition of personal and interpersonal racism, which is whenever one person holds a belief um, that they think that um, people of color are lesser than white people, um, systemic racism and comes from a place of power and so since there's the power dynamic in our society that white people benefit just from being white um a white person can be racist a black person or another person of color can be prejudiced towards white people by having um a belief in their head that you know they're better or whatever the case may be but um a person of color cannot be racist in the sense of they cannot participate in a system that benefits them and harms white people because that's not the way our society is built so if you're unfamiliar with racism being talked about in those terms i would highly recommend um looking into it Uh, Because it's a very important understanding of practical ways that racism really um, presents itself in societies uh, from a systemic perspective and not just an idea of interpersonal or personal um, racism from individual to individual. It's really a lot bigger than that. So I just wanted to point that out because Tommy Loren wants to say Mm -hmm. that black people are being racist. So just tidbit. Yeah, and I think that's a great. I think that's a great thing to point out. Uh, we need more realization of the different types of racism that are prevalent. Yes. Yep. Because systemic racism, uh, which I know systematic and systemic racism, there is a nuanced difference. I apologize. I don't know right offhand, but there's like interpersonal racism, systemic racism uh systematic racism there's also avert and overt racism which avert racism would be racism that is kind of hidden and kept on like the inside like somebody's thoughts um and then overt racism would be like an action and acting upon avert racism so overt is like obvious and avert is you know more under the gun flying under the radar more hidden and sly so Anyway, there's a lot to learn about race, and if you don't know about it, you should learn about it, because it's very important. Well, uh, that's all I had for my segment. Cool. Kelsey, you want to hit your last one? Yeah! Let's do it. She's talking about Tide Pods. Lighten it up at the end. She says, Now the left, which dictates popular culture... 
brainwashes young people into believing they live in a world where 64 gender options are up for selection. Everything is free. Beyonce is the god queen, and eating detergent is funny. I would really like to start with Beyonce is the god queen. That's my first uh, observation. Second of all, does the left dictate pop culture? I don't know that that's a given, so I just wanted to point out that she acts like that's just like a fact, and in reality, there is a fallacy. What's the fallacy where um, something that is an opinion, you you take it as fact as a part of your argument? Is that going to be begging the question? Yeah, maybe it is begging the question. Um, that might be what it is, but basically... She kind of assumes that it's just a given that the left dictates pop culture and uses the rest of the sentence to kind of show evidence of that. Um, or the rest of the sentence makes sense only if you assume that's the case, rather. So um, I don't think the left necessarily dictates all of pop culture, so I don't think that's a given. And she just very confidently says, now the left, which dictates pop culture, do they? Like, I mean hello so then she talks about brainwashing young people into believing there's a world it believe they live in a world where 64 gender options are up for selection dot 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 and eating detergent is funny um false equivalency gender has nothing to do with eating tide pods just uh nothing to do with each other if you you can believe in the scientific facts about gender being a construct and a bunch of different genders being options that people relate to. Um, you can believe in that. That doesn't mean that you're going to eat Tide Pods. It's also, it's also kind of like a slippery slope. Like if you, it start, look, it starts with them believing that there's more than two genders and then it ends with them eating Tide Pods. It's like this descent into depravity um, when that's really not the case at all. So it's really kind of a mixture of a false equivalency because she tries to act like it's the same thing. But in reality, like eating Tide Pods has like is not on the same level as believing in more than two genders because there's science behind the gender thing. And the Tide Pod thing was just like a stupid internet challenge that is obviously poisonous. Even this connection she's trying to draw between them is that they both come from the left. And that's not true, because uh, e e eating Tide Pods isn't like a leftist thing. I <laughs> yeah, that, that that's just like it's just like a Gen Z thing, and I mean, a lot of Gen Z are what you would consider more liberal, but that does not mean that, that eating Tide eating Pods the is, Tide a, is a left Yeah, I was going to say, eating the Tide Pod does not come from being a liberal. Like, that, it was it only liberals that ate Tide Pods? Is there any data on that? I mean... It's another correlation does not equal causation. Yeah, exactly, which is another it's, fallacy. Just because Zoomers are eating are, are eating tie po Tide Pods and thinking progressivism is cool. Yeah. It's like by that, well, never mind. I was gonna be mean. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. So yeah, that th that's a that's a couple of them. So I mean, it's like a false equivalency by trying to compare them as if they're the same when they're not. A slippery slope by kind of presenting like it starts out that they believe in a world that has more than two gender options, and then they end up eating Tide Pods. And then what was yours? 
that you just said? My what? Your fallacy that you just pointed out? The third one? Oh, um, I, I was building off your false equivalency yeah. one that, uh, the, the gender options are not related to yeah. the eating detergent. Yeah, correlation, it seems not like causation. She, she, she's building off a post-talk to make that false equivalency. Yes. Yep, yeah. So, correlation does not equal causation is another one. And then, um, it's also a straw man. Because it's, like, said in this tone of, like, they believe in the world... That they live in a world where 64 gender options are up for selection. Everything is free and eating detergent is funny. I'm going to leave out the Beyonce thing because Beyonce is a god queen. So I like don't understand what she's getting at there. Um, Whatever. But it's almost like this straw man because like nobody thinks everything's free. No one's saying that. Um, so I think that part's a straw man to try to make it just sound crazy. And she also threw the 64 gender options in there to try to use a hyperbole almost to make it sound so silly um, that you could think just because you think there's more than two doesn't mean you think there's 64. I understand it's a, an exaggeration. Maybe there are 64. I have no idea. But um, it's used in the tone of being an exaggeration to make the whole thing sound. See, look how silly it is. And it kind of concludes with eating Tide Pods. So, and thinking it's funny. So that's a straw man. Cause nobody's saying that nobody was on board with the Tide Pod thing, except for like Gen Z. Like nobody was like, yeah, this is, this is good. We should keep doing this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and even then they were like, oh, we're, we're, we're getting sick. It was just the media who uh, who really carried it on even after it stopped. And I don't understand. I still don't understand how that started. But I think that's not for me to understand. I don't think I want to understand. So uh, apparently, kids thought they looked like candy. Uh, I I can't. I don't know any more specific than that. Couldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it have tasted nasty? The point yeah. of candy is to like taste good. Yeah, you, you look at it, you think, oh, that looks like candy. You uh, eat one, then you throw up and go to the hospital. How'd they eat a whole one is what I'm saying. Wouldn't you just get a little soap in your mouth eat it fast. and like throw up? I mean, if you just go ahead and pop it in, do a big squeeze, uh, do a big chomp, uh, sw swallow it quick. I, don't I know. would projectile vomit everywhere. I wouldn't have. It's like going to a wax museum and being like, this cake looks good and like trying to eat it and then being like, oh, it doesn't taste good, but I'm still going to eat it. Like, why? Except if someone brought the cake to your house and then you were left undetended with it. Okay. Let's say it was, yeah, a, I mean, let's say it was an empty. You, you'd still it was have to be empty, a dumb kid to do it, say, but still. It's an empty wax museum. Your fa your parents your parents own it, and you're able to go run amok. It's still just as dumb. Uh-huh. Okay. That's what we got. Are we at the That's end? That's what we got. We done it. Dope. That's, uh, it's, what, seven in the bag? Eight? Yeah, eight in the bag. Thanks, everyone, for hanging Ooh. out. We'll uh, be back in a few weeks with another episode. Share, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Smash that follow button. Yeah, exactly. We're at known sequitur pod on Instagram. We are at known underscore sequitur on Twitter. And we are at known sequitur pod on TikTok. Woop woop. 
Yeah, thanks for hanging out. We know that time is the most valuable thing that you have, so we appreciate you spending it with us. And until next time, be blessed and stay logical. It's only logical.